Hey everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. I am joined by my betters, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. I am Greg Shruzabasti. You know, if you're looking at our, our video feed, which I never put up on our YouTube channel because I'm an idiot, my moniker this week is nothing to say here because uh, we, I'm going to get to that, to that, what that moniker means because Bruce Perky was smart enough and wise enough to correct me on an upcoming segment that we have specially designed for this show. Thanks to Eric Holmes. We're going to be talking about that. Bruce Perky, as he, as he laughs silently out of, out of due respect to, to uh, my comments, he's called Punishment Perk this week. Bruce Perky, did you receive a lot of movie punishment within the last week? Was it a very good movie week or did you encounter some bad ones? Uh, I I had a really good week in movies. I did encounter at least one bad one, which was the green slime, which is so bad it's good and it's not going to be talked about. But check out the theme song; it's it's amazingly awesome. Okay, Quo Vadis, Eric, Eric Quo Vadis, what are you doing with all these sophisticated words? By the way, Quo Quo Vadis is an old uh, is like a, I think it's a old movie. It's one of my mom's favorite movies. I think it stars Sir Peter Ustinov or one of those actors from way back in the day. That's not the movie. Why Corvatus? What does that mean? What does that mean, Eric? I, I believe uh, the where are you going or where are you marching? Mm. And it's a movie, Corvatus uh, Aida. Uh, we'll talk about that later. It's uh, something I came across and it's quite good. Spoiler alert. Well, you know what? I don't even need a review now. I already give you the review. It's awesome. That's it. Watch. One, one <laughs> recommendation. Where did you see it? Did you see it on YouTube, Eric? No, no, I saw it on, uh, I rented it on Amazon, I do believe. Oh, very cool. Uh, He's slipping. He's been doing Amazon lately. What the heck? Very cool. I I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, maybe maybe I rented it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it was Amazon, though. By the way, later on in our in our uh, podcast, uh, on this episode, we're going to be joined by our Cinematics Facebook group friend and uh, just uh, find your film mate. You most of you forget the branding. Most importantly, fellow cinephile Jeff Basson. Jeff, he's uh, Jeffrey Bruce. He he has he done? Have we done one of the What's in the Box from Mr. Basson before? Did he? What was one of his previous picks? For uh, what's in the box? It was the Guy Madden. Um um. Oh shoot, my brain can't remember. My, my Winnipeg was that my Winnipeg? One? Yes, my, my Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Okay. It's a really good choice too. That was an excellent excellent one. Yes, and yeah, that we're gonna we're gonna air that segment later on because Eric Holmes, this is a tie-in to your, I guess I don't know, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, just collaboration with Entertainment. Can you tell our listeners what this whole thing with not just Mr. Bassin, the cards, uh, the, the whole rigmarole? What sum it up for us? Yeah, uh, I got a, I got a. Well, here, let me let me pull him out of the thing here. He's gonna pull out a couple of cards worth, I believe, twenty dollars. Right, Eric Holmes, twenty dollar cards, twenty dollar gift cards from Entertainment. Porn and the uh, oh, drugs. Oh, All right, yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. All right, here oh, we go. Okay, okay. uh oh, we got uh, two twenty dollar gift cards to Entertain Mart, and pretty much, uh, if you could leave us a review, that would be helpful on uh, the the iTunes. Uh, more importantly, if you can email me. Uh, once you've done that, or even if you haven't done that, please do that. But if you haven't done it, that's fine. But just email me so I have, uh, or message me so I know that you're in. Because uh, one one of the uh, issues we may have is, uh, you know, Magnolia Fan 69 may have uh, left us a review. And if Magnolia 69 isn't listening to the episode in which they won, it's hard to get a hold of them because I have no idea who Magnolia Six, Fan 69 is. But if you email me and said, hey, I want to be on it, we will put you on the list and you could win one of these guys. And if you like, 
uh, much like Jeff Basson did. Uh, and I haven't, we haven't done it yet. Right. Is that, oh, is yeah, that yeah. You, can, you can say it, you can say it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. We uh, pre-recorded that and it was uh, great talking to him and uh, yeah, just email me uh, your name and uh, say, Hey, Eric, what's up? I want to be in on that uh, finder film uh, entertain Mart gift card thing. And then we'll put you in the, not in the box. That's, that's Bruce's thing. We'll put you in the uh, running. <laughs> oh, that's Bruce's job. Are you saying it's Bruce's job for to put people in the box, Eric? What are you, this Bruce. is, he's, he's the third host. We, if he goes to jail, we, we're going to have to find a new host. What are you doing? We'll, we'll, we'll put you in the corner. No one puts baby in okay. the corner, but I'll put you in the corner and then we'll pull <laughs> names out of the corner and see <laughs> who wins. And then if you win the, uh, if you win the uh, gift card, then uh, if you want to, uh, once you uh, receive your wares from Entertainment, we would like to bring you on the show and talk to you about what you got there. Which is what we did with Jeffrey Bassin. It, it was great talking to him. And again, the, the caveat is if you're exactly like me, who's antisocial and a hermit and like staying at home and doesn't, is not all about the socials or the social media and just wants a $20 from Eric Holmes. By the way, his email is hamslime at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. Email him once you do the, these entries, okay? You can, A, you can, like Eric said, you can comment on our, our Apple podcast, leave a comment on Find Your Film, or simply like our Facebook page at find your film. So I'll leave all that information down in our show notes. Once you do that, email Eric Holmes at hamslime at gmail.com regarding your entries. Eric Holmes, you were going to say. You, I, yes. I, I've also had a couple of people message me on Facebook. That works too. Just okay. The, 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 the main part is I need to know who you are and who's in, who wants to be involved. By, in it. by the way, Eric Holmes is the most social out of all of us three. If you try to reach Eric Holmes, he is readily available to meet your needs and to talk to you. Me and Bruce Perky, we do not like human beings. So you don't ever try to reach us. Right, Bruce? Unless you are like one of my other gimps that's in the box, then I'm fine. <laughs> Go ahead and contact me. <laughs> Unless you're like any of the other. Wow, Bruce Perky dishing out the truth this week. And by the way, please listen to uh, that the Lillian Gish reference that Bruce Perky smote me or smitted me or what did you what is that word? Smited me or he just laid down the hammer <laughs> with a Lillian Gish reference regarding a movie that Jeff Basson talks about. Okay, by the way, that's going to be a really cool segment. That is Days of Heaven, by the way. Days of Heaven under the Entertain Mark gift card. He he was one of the previous winners and he chose as for that $20 gift card, he chose a Terrence Malick film, Days of Heaven. We will be talking about that later in the episode. Our main movie review this week is Concrete Cowboy. We'll get to that in a second. Comes out on Netflix April 2nd. Bruce Porky was being a very, as usual, is a very good trooper. He will give us a couple of comments on the new release, Godzilla versus King Kong. I think the most <laughs> important, I think the most important part, Bruce, is you were actually able to go to your local theater. Was that the yes. best? Yeah, that was the main reason why you were excited to actually see this movie, correct? Yeah, um, I actually have doubled my movie going theater experience this week in the last year. <laughs> so I saw. Uh, two movies in the whole last year and this week I've seen two movies in the theater uh, and I did see today with my oldest son um, Godzilla versus Kong I think is what it's officially called uh, directed by Adam Wingard what do you do the guest and your next I think if I remember correctly okay okay um, stars a bunch of people Oh, Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall. There's not much to say about this movie, honestly, other than uh, if you don't like the new era of Godzilla movies, you won't like this one. If you really love the new era of Godzilla movies, you'll 
probably love this one. For me, it's kind of in the middle of the group. I'm not a huge fan. I think Kong Island is the best one. Kong Skull Island, I guess it is. Uh, it's probably the most fun because it doesn't do what this and all the other movies do. And that the problem is with this movie, and I think Eric watched some of this movie because it's on HBO Max, I believe as well, yes. mm-hmm. is that it should be a really simple story. It says it in the title, right? Godzilla versus Kong. Let's get some monsters. Let's have them fight. Let's have them fall over on cities. Let's give it a basic story that makes that happen. And we're good to go. But instead, they have to involve this giant convoluted plot with subplots and characters and the core of the earth and um, evil scientists and uh uh, podcasters there's a podcaster in this movie that's a main character uh there's a, a, a deaf a little girl that is best friends with kong and likes to do sign language with him all that stuff is ridiculous if you like it good for you but it's unnecessary so if you go there's probably about 25 minutes of a movie here that you can really enjoy which is just monsters fighting each other there you that go is, that's that is a know. horrible review not i mean i'm not criticizing your, your i'm not criticizing <laughs> you i'm just the saying it's a horrible, back on me <laughs> that is not making me want to see the movie 20 minutes worth of just monster fights that is not eric you didn't see the whole movie but was that uh, the kind of vibe you oh what no I, I i saw the whole thing it was uh i finished it shortly before we started recording Oh my goodness. Okay. And do but, uh, you concur with Bruce's assessment of this movie, which I believe Bruce, you, you're kind of middle of the road. It was eh, right. Eh, 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 I, 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 I mean, it's not, it really didn't do much for me. It didn't do okay. a lot for me. Yeah. Eric say something nice. So I can put, um, put some beautiful Godzilla Kong things on our, on our video. Say something nice so we can. So yes, I'm, I'm no. with Bruce a hundred percent when it comes to the uh, whenever Kong in Godzilla aren't fighting I don't give two shits when Kong and and Godzilla are fighting it is awesome (laughs) this has a this kind of kind of similar to Justice League like the the first two hours of Justice League I'm like get on with it and then when they finally get to the action part I'm like wow this is this is pretty fun and uh and there's a lot of great monster on monster fights and if they paired this movie down to like an hour with just like the bare minimum. I, I, I agree with Bruce a hundred percent on Kong Skull Island. Is it, even the even the human parts in Kong Skull Island? I kind of like the characters, mm-hmm. um, but the I like Kong Skull Island as a whole movie. Uh, this one I really love certain parts of it, and other parts I just like could not care less about it. Okay, but the well, parts that are awesome are pretty freaking cool. Well, look. So then, if someone says I'm going to devote how, how a part of my day. To watching this movie would you guys recommend or is this a light recommend on both of your parts i would say it's a good popcorn movie get some popcorn and watch it and have fun with it because the unlike justice league they don't save the fights for the very end it's kind of the the fights are sprinkled throughout so you know oh. uh when, when it goes to the human part you know get up go to the bathroom come back and then you'll know, show up just in time for the first fight and then the human parts yeah. come up i go uh, smoke a cigarette and come back you'll come just in time for the next fight and uh yeah yeah don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out the story you could if you want to but eh, it, it's silly and it doesn't make any sense just yeah like eric says you know you could literally be doing something else on your phone and when the, they start fighting you can just look up and go oh cool stop <laughs> watch it for 10 minutes go back to what you were doing <laughs> you know 
So that is Godzilla v Kong or versus Kong or Godzilla versus King Kong, Godzilla versus Kong. It's out on HBO Max, out in theaters right now. I guess light recommend from both of you guys. Like you said, oh, actually, Eric Holmes, you said it's a popcorn movie. So that could be a, a, just a recommendation right yeah. down the line. You you do sort of wish there was just a little bit more fighting. That's just kind of your little not, mini wish. Not necessarily more fighting, just less less story. Uh, story. Yeah, the story is it's kind of like a like a Adam Sandler comedy in a lot of ways. The story's just there to hang jokes on. The story of this is just there to uh hang fights on, monster fights on. Unfortunately, they add a bunch of story. So much character development in this. It's just <laughs> it's just raining character development, but no one cares. But it's, then pooping. it's pooping character development <laughs> all over po- the screen. Well, let's just say it's raining. It's also raining character development. Which did you prefer, Eric and Bruce, the raining character development of the Kong Godzilla thing that we're talking about right now, or the reign of locusts that that pervaded all a big portion of Days of Heaven? So, bottom line, Days of Heaven or this this monster movie? Which one would you recommend? Uh, that's that's tough to say because uh, the people <laughs> that like Kong and. Uh, Godzilla are going to hate Days of Heaven and the oh, people that really love Days of Heaven are going to hate Kong and Godzilla. Has anyone ever been forced to make that choice? <laughs> King Kong Bruce, I'm forcing you right now. Ter- that Terrence Malick film that Jeff Bassin likes. By the way, you can go to jeffbassin.com. We're going to talk about that on our upcoming segment, segment. But come on, Bruce. Oh, I mean, Days of Heaven. Come on now. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to give... Uh, you know, yeah, easy? That's an, that's an easy win, right? Yeah. Eric, you agree? Days I, of Heaven I, by, I would by say, a mile? If you're in the mood to watch monsters fight, Days of Heaven is a terrible choice. <laughs> there's a locust no, man. scene. There's I'm going to say there's there's, that there's death and danger and fire yeah. and the, the, bugs and there's a love the, triangle. There's a love triangle there. Yeah, but there's, the bugs are small. In Godzilla, the bugs are big. It's all about perspective, man. <laughs> there's sparks. There's literal sparks that fly that could injure a lot of people, including Richard Gere. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that is Days of Heaven that's coming up. We're gonna, we're gonna, I was teasing that. We're, we're, we're gonna come back and we're gonna review Concrete Cowboy. But until then, we here is our segment on Days of Heaven with Jeff Bassett. Hey everyone, we're we are back. This is a special Find Your Film segment, and I think this is a, a special segment that Eric Holmes has introduced to the podcast. Let's start off. First of all, we're gonna say hello to our guest, Jeff Bassett. Jeff, pleasure. Hello. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> Yes, and, and you know, hello, hello, I, guys. Bruce, Eric, are you gonna say hi to Jeff? What? what what's it? What's going on? Hey, guys? how's it going? <laughs> hello. Okay, okay, Bruce. So, Eric Holmes, uh, tell us about this situation with Jeff. There's, there's Malik involved. There might be a disc involved. What's, what's the whole history behind this segment? Oh, find your film. Yeah. So we're doing the the giveaways with the uh, Entertainment gift cards, and uh, Jeff was one of the lucky li- winners, uh, and. I thought it would be cool that since we're giving out the cards and people will be getting, you know, movies or music or video games or whatever it is they get from entertainment. I thought it would be fun to have them on the show to review and talk about what it is that they got. Um, They don't sell porn. So unfortunately I don't think we get to talk much about that as much as I'd like to, but, uh, (laughs) but uh, Jeff, Jeff, uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll uh, maybe kick to him and uh, see see what it is that he got from Entertainment. And I'm actually kind of curious of your 
experience with it because it was it was a little bit uh odd with how gift cards work in this situation but maybe give us uh for future winners maybe tell that tell them what worked for you and then you know future winners will be like i'm gonna do what jeff did and do it right the first time yeah perfect uh all right so uh, when I got the gift card, um, I went to the website and basically like you search uh, the things that you're interested in, if it's movies or music, uh, records, DVDs, Blu-rays, and you can check to see if it's online or in store. Now, the gift cards technically only work for in-store purchases. So uh, the good news about that is that you can have it shipped to you, I believe, for four dollars. So uh, for part of, a little part of that gift card, it goes a long way. And I basically checked to see uh, a bunch of items and whatever was in stock, uh, I would call you click in store and you see which place is it's located at call them up. And they'll just sort you out with it. It's pretty easy. You give them the address, you give them the code and sent right to you. Jeff, your selection is I'm 49 turning 50 in September. It's an embarrassing selection for me personally, because I've been meaning to see Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven since I was, wow, that's an amazing, so that is the DVD, I'm assuming? The DVD, yes. That is so amazing. Looks like a beautiful Andrew Wyeth painting. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Can you tell our listeners why did you decide to? Uh, oh, that, by the way, I'm so that I'm envious. <laughs> why did you decide to choose Days of Heaven? Was it a movie that you've always wanted to see, or do you hold this movie close to your heart? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, well, I I'm, I am a fan of Terrence Malick, um, and I, I guess this was one that I haven't checked out. I haven't checked out a bunch of his early work. I ha- I still haven't seen Badlands, but that's oh. uh, obviously in my awaited queue. Um, but I, I, I've loved his work. Uh, you know, I remember, I, I believe it was one of the first Criterion uh, Blu-rays I ever purchased was The Thin Red Line. And I, I remember it saying in the beginning of it, like, to raise the volume of it. And I, I remember specifically, like, breaking out my record players, stereo speakers, and setting them up with the TV uh, because I wanted it to like explode at my face. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's a, it's a very like memorable nostalgic experience for me. And I've, uh, I've since like uh, watched, you know, tree of life came out when I was in college. Um, so I got to see that then in theaters. And then um, I believe the last film I saw uh, one of the last films I saw before the quarantine shutdowns. And uh, I, I believe it was in January though. Uh, so there was a couple afterwards, but was a hidden life. So I I, I did catch that one in theaters as well. Was and that good? Was that movie good? I, I haven't seen a hidden life. It's it's good. Um, I I mean I will say that like as is maybe most people's complaints that often come with a Terrence Malick film. There's probably some room for you know tightening it up, <laughs> but I think uh like as a in a weird way modern update of like. Uh, passion of Joan of Arc. It's 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 quite uh, like a new take, but an interesting kind of like similar kind of vibe to it. Like it gets you involved in the, um, I guess the feeling of torture. I guess of 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 that kind of staying with your principles against a greater force. You know. Well, you know what credit goes to Jeff for mentioning 
The Passion of Joan of Arc. Bruce, have you mentioned that movie at all yet in our or in Find Your Film or movie? I thought we did when we talked about Vampire. Kudos to that. We know, Jeff, you are a true cinephile. Now, b- before we get into Days of Heaven, it, I'm just going to just do a quick plot synopsis. It's set in 1916 in the Texas pan- Panhandle, and it's a very simple story. A migrant worker played by Richard Gere. He goes around trying to find odd jobs with his, I guess, sister. He calls he calls a woman her sister. The sister is played by Brooke Adams. She's this is not a spoiler. The sister is actually his companion. And then it's Linda Manns, who was 15 at the time, also plays Richard Gere's character's younger sister, real sister. And they end up working in the fields in some area owned by this rich farmer, played by Sam Shepard, playwright actor Sam Shepard. And that is the story Jeff mentioned about how Terrence Malick has a tendency to be a little bit freewheeling with his narratives, and they tend to meander at times. A thin red line is proof but obviously jeff you love that because that's a very powerful movie uh, we can go on about thin red line forever and ever and you were mentioning a hidden life but this movie like the movie you haven't seen yet badlands is only 95 minutes it's very very tight let's start off with you jeff what are your overall thoughts on days of heaven i will say this i have seen most of malik's films thank you so much for the selection i was i just saw today i was pretty much blown away at how amazing this is and i i would probably argue with people who pick other terrence malick films as as their favorite because right now this is my favorite of his so we we might have a tiny bit of an argument but (laughs) but i do think it is definitely one of his best works for for certain um i was blown away by it visually and just emotionally um i felt that um the way it uh flows in that like it's the perfect blend of you get story but then you also have the poetic visuals of nature like you know um compared to you know this general kind of story that is maybe considered like a a traditional romantic triangle with a thriller angle to it you know heading towards danger but then it's all overall um you know, gorgeous. And the score is amazing. And just, yeah, a lot to talk about. The score, yeah, let's talk about the scores by Ennio Morricone. I was clueless. I had no idea. And obviously Terrence Malick uses a lot of classical, th- classical music interspersed with the score. I'm an idiot. I don't know many composers, so I'm not going to reference the frequent score that is used along with Morricone's work. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on Days of Heaven. I'm sure you've seen it a couple of times before Before you did this rewatch. I, just- thought, I, I thought I had seen it. I'd only seen parts of it because when I started watching it, I was like, wait a second. I have not seen this movie, really seen this movie. So for me, it was pretty much new. The parts I'd seen had been a long time ago. Uh, like everybody, I was really struck by the, the visual and the cinematography, the um, the whole thing that isn't the whole story about this that almost everything's shot at that golden hour, you know, like he shot like, I don't know, 80% of it at the golden hour, which probably made the shoot 10 times longer. And I also was really struck. So you talk about the, um, all the natural stuff, right? And the narrative is what it is. It doesn't, it's almost secondary <laughs> to some degree, but um, I was really struck by the machinery in this movie. He, it looks like he just literally got all, all this antique farming machinery and every time there's machinery involved it just looks incredibly dangerous in for real to me when i see people riding and driving these giant steam-powered threshers and things i was just like oh my god how many actors are in danger in this movie um and i see a little mention about the locusts i don't know if you guys read the trivia about that we can talk about that because i did read the trivia about that locust scene 
It was that play, that 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 looks scary the way they shot that is that that is that if that's practical effects i'm gonna be freaked out because i'm not gonna say yet are you we'll not let gonna... other people chime in and we'll come in towards the end i think that i, I bet uh our guest looks like he might know too <laughs> so eric holmes do you have any idea about locusts are are there any locusts buried in your backyard waiting to emerge what's your thoughts over on days of heaven if they if there are, I have a gun with one bullet in it waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> After watching this movie, man, my goodness, right? So your thoughts on days, Eric? What are your? Um, uh, was this a rewatch? Of course, a rewatch for you as well, or maybe no, no, the, no. This was the first time. This is one of those kind of like Vampire, actually. That I just kept looking at that, uh, kept looking at that Criterion sitting there, and I keep not getting it. And then Jeff did, and it's like, <laughs> it's like. Well, this is going to force me to watch it, and thank God I did because I, I really like this one. I wasn't expecting it to have the same kind of editing that like Thin Red Line and uh, Tree of Life does, where it's kind of you know it feels more like a dream than an actual narrative. Because I, I was expecting it to be more like Badlands, which is a lot more straightforward. And well, I guess that's uh, I guess Badlands is the only one of his movies that's narrated you know traditionally, I suppose. Um, but this one was good, and I I can't remember the names of the characters in the Bible, but there's a story about a husband and wife, and I believe they go to Sodom. The husband mentions to the wife that says, "Don't don't tell anyone we're married," and then mm-hmm. someone uh, falls for the wife and starts banging her out, and you know you know it's the Bible, so they don't say banging them out, but you get the, you get the idea that that's what's happening. And then he finds out later that, uh, oh, you're married and now I'm damned. Thanks for nothing, you fucking idiot and fuck all of you. And Days of Heaven seems to be kind of a loose remake of that Bible story. And the fact that it's called Days of Heaven, I, you know, I, mm. I don't know if that was on purpose because it's not a well-known Bible story, but yeah. And so there's that. And to Bruce's point, the uh, they had one shot of, uh, what's her name on top of the hay bale with the uh, thresher in the foreground. And then it cuts away and she jumps off the hay bale. I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Looked very dangerous. Looked very, very oh, dangerous. And, and then on top of that, like the uh, the foundry where they um, do the uh, uh, metal work. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm just like, who's going to get burned? They didn't have CGI back then. So they probably burned them for real. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some pushing on on uh, the boundaries of extras in this movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just even the train scene in the opening, you know, you're kind of like, oh, well, yeah, this is, you know, they're all on there. <laughs> well, I think on a superficial level, if people say, what are what is one of the best shot movies ever or one of the best looking movies ever, I would say probably Days of Heaven should be like Bruce, you're talking about the magic hour shooting of the movie. It looks so beautiful. Two DPs worked on this. The first one was Nestor Almendros. He had to leave halfway through the shooting of the movie. He was ultimately replaced by Haskell Wexler. And if you know anything a little bit, I know very little bit about DPs, but Nestor Almendros and Haskell Wexler are considered two of the finest DOPs in cinema. So it's basically like having Ma- Michael Jordan replacing Magic Johnson in the middle of the shoot. Speaking of the shoot, it took two years for talent. Terrence Malick was editing this movie for a period of two years. He actually did some pickups with Sam Shepard in certain close-up scenes were shot under a freeway overpass. Weird things like that. The one thing that I really love, and maybe you love this too, Jeff, I'm wondering about this, 
it has three really big actors. Brooke Adams in her day was, she was a huge actress and she's very telegenic. We all know how charismatic Richard Gere is. Sam Shepard, known for his plays, but he's also an accomplished actor. All three beautiful looking individuals. Movie is absolutely, in my opinion, stolen by Linda, played by actress Linda Mance. Again, she was 15 when she started this. And the voiceover in this movie, for me, is an all-timer because the voiceover, the movie is written by Terrence, Mal- Terrence Malick, but Malick said that for the voiceovers, it was just Linda Mance watching the movie and giving her thoughts and interpretation wow. of the sequences. He, t- he said he tried to actually read her lines, have her read lines from what he tried to feed her VO stuff, but she wouldn't. She was very bad at reading lines. Jeff, just your overall thoughts on the performances. Did Linda Mann stand out? What really stood out for you regarding Days of Heaven? Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, Linda Mann absolutely stood out. Um, I had no idea that uh, that her voiceover was kind of some form of like uh, actor's commentary. <laughs> yeah. that, that does amuse me uh, in some kind of weird meta element. Um, isn't that like, watch it. <laughs> isn't that so risky? Because she's just doing this voiceover. It could be complete crap and it turns out to be just mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, I think that's kind of like in one of those interesting things. I mean, that's kind of the power of like a Malik film when he's in charge is that it, it feels kind of experimental, but a little more ex- accessible than say like, you know, uh, I don't know, like a David Lynch or something like that, where it's not, you know, trying to be obtuse. You understand what it's going for, it, but it feels more like a meditation. Um, but it's also like he's, throwing a bunch of angles and they don't necessarily work. And then his edits take years and, you know, require several editors and somehow something that's created, you can't really find in most other like films of other filmmakers. Like I think it's unique to him because he has the power to spend the evenings shooting, uh, you know, magic hour and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought the performances were fantastic. Everybody really works. I think, uh, like, I I have no idea if it's due to the kind of on-location sort of factor, but I think that, like, everybody fits into their roles, and it seems like they're all of that period, except for maybe Richard Gere's hairstyle, which I've heard is very (laughs) off-period. I mean, I... I, I can tell, but also at the same time, I, I I didn't live in that period, so I have no necessarily concept of that. <laughs> but yeah, everybody was great. Richard Gere's locks definitely stood out in the movie. I will have to agree with you. He's a handsome man. <laughs> so, very, I, I, a- I heard I heard it was his choice or maybe his people's choice that uh, you know not trying to throw any. Uh, shade at them but they were like you know this is a good looking man this is him in his prime we need him to look good in this movie and Terrence Malick's like "Uh, nobody looks good in my movies they all look appropriate for the time (laughs) good call out on Richard Gere you've named yourself Jeff that one shot with the locust Bruce Perky you teased it enough tell us the locust story correct me if I'm wrong about this but I thought I read that what they did, well, I'm talking specifically about there's these scenes where you see all the locusts. There's a couple of them where the locusts are just like all taking off. Like there's this giant cloud of locusts. And I believe they had a bunch of peanut shells or peanuts that they dropped. Like they just dropped tons of them on the set and then reversed the shots. 
to get that. And it's kind of funny talking about the shots. I kept thinking of certain shots and thinking like, you know, like the exposure, for example, with the fire where they're backlit by the fire, but you have to see your characters and the, the fact that that could go wrong, but they're burning stuff for real. It looks like, so it's, you better get it right. And I would make one other little quick comment. Um, Linda Mance, it's almost a lost film, but if none of you or if anybody out there hasn't seen out of the blue from 1980 directed by Dennis Hopper starring Linda Mance, you need to look for that movie. It, is amazing and nearly lost and gritty and weird and just and tragic and amazing look for so that. linda linda man she's uh she's a main character in out of the blue I, she is yes so she this came out in 79 along with great train robbery directed by michael Crichton. i found out i didn't <laughs> even know he was a director but apparently and then I believe Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so she had this Invasion of the Body no, Snatchers. No, you're thinking of you're thinking of Brooke Adams. Oh, okay. Brooke Adams. Right. Linda Mance is the young girl. Okay. Brooke Adams was in the same year that she did this. She did Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The, there you go. That's a hell of a year. Yeah. Great yeah. Chain Robbery, Days of Heaven, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like all in the same year. That's almost as good as Breaking and Breaking Two coming out in the same year. <laughs> almost as good as. <laughs> Jeff, have you seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers that year with? Uh... Have you seen that movie? Uh, funny enough, I saw it this past year for Halloween. So it was a uh, recent watch. So it is it is firmly in my memory. And I was, because uh, I've seen, you know, I remember the Nicole Kidman. I think it was Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig, right? That they, they did mm-hmm. sort of a semi-remake of it that came out. Uh, and I, I remember seeing that, yes. but I had never seen the original film. So I was like, you know, this is a classic. Why haven't I seen this and put it on? It's uh, it holds up in every regard. <laughs> so anyways, uh, days of original for the fifties. <laughs> yeah. All oh. Abel Ferreira made a remake of it too. Okay. Yeah. Bruce Perky being the film professor that he is, he's, he knows, <laughs> he knows his stuff. There's like five of them. I don't know. So everyone, are we giving a strong recommendation for Days of Heaven? For me, it's one of my favorites. Uh, Eric, you're, is it one of your favorite Maliks? Or, or right I, up the, my favorite is still Tree of Life, just because the way that uh, that movie goes, uh, first of all, like the history of the universe sort of part at the beginning is really cool. And just the uh, way they do, uh, uh, was it Sean Penn's character as a kid? It reminded me a lot. I, I wasn't born in that time. But there was a lot of a uh, lot of scenes that kind of brought me back to my own childhood, so that one hits me personally. But this one's great too. And Bruce, do you have a favorite Malik? I'm probably probably my favorite is Tree of Life, but the one that I would rewatch the most would be Badlands, and then this one would be right right in line with that. I think Badlands is a little more rewatchable as a just a movie. It, it, this one seems like a good like uh, you take a little Tree of Life, you take a little Badlands. They have a baby and outcome yep. days of heaven. Yep. This is I, like I the transition. Uh, <laughs> when, when, uh, when I was watching it, I was kind of joking uh, that like um, whenever uh, he had to continue with the plot and stuff, he wanted to get back to nature. So he's like, okay, I filmed some plot parts. Can I go back to playing outside? Like just begging the studios, like his parents, like, can I go back outside? <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the middle of those two movies you know badlands even though i haven't seen it but i know it's a little more straightforward from what i've heard yeah so, so jeff for you i would say i'm guessing your favorite is maybe the thin red line for malik would that be your favorite 
I think for me, it is uh, Tree of Life as well. Uh, but then uh, I would say I've rewatched The Thin Red Line uh, the most. Um, uh, Tree of Life, I think, um, impacted me greatly when I watched it. Um, I think the um, it felt the most where I got lost in the dream, where by the end of it, I could not recall all of the elements of it, but I felt the feelings of all of it. Like I felt like I went on a journey, you know? And mm -hmm. I think everything uh, else I've been able to keep up with in a way. Um, and uh, I, I, I still love Thin Red Line. I think the, uh, you know, cinematography, the music, every part of that is a beautiful film. Um, but I guess I don't love focusing on uh, the war parts of it. I guess that part is always like, okay, but I've rewatched it quite a few times just because of the immensity of the project. And I, I love behind the scenes and hearing about that film's construction is probably, I mean, one of the nuttiest filmmaking experiences outside of maybe like Apocalypse Now. It's just like, this is, this is somebody who has given access to every actor on the planet, all of the film on the planet, all of the locations, the budget, and then it's just like, cut the actors here. Here's a hundred hours of footage. Editors, see what you can do. And it's just like the craziest thing, you know, to as a result, just looking at the result of something so immense, you know, is really impressive to me. Well, but, I'm so yeah. old. I actually went to the press screening of The, the Thin Red Line. And I, if I recall, Adrian Brody was at the screening. And the big to-do about it was Adrian Brody would be was the lead actor in The Thin Red Line. And if I recall, he was actually at the screening for this. And lo and behold, we were all as press members waiting for the Adrian Brody breakout when we watched it and we're waiting and there's basically hardly any Adrian, to your point, yeah. Jeff, no Adrian, <laughs> barely any Adrian Brody in the movie. So what, what Jeff was alluding to, it was initially because of Malik's editing, it was initially conceived as an Adrian Brody film. He was going to be a big part of it. Ultimately, that... That, that the meat of that went to, as you know, Jeff, Jim Caviezel and the other 50 people who did the voiceovers for The Thin Red Line. What an amazing voiceover experience that was. So, yeah. Um, you know, before I let you go, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot since we're find your film right off the top of your head. Can you recommend for our listeners one of your all-time favorite movies? And what is it about this movie that still really resonates with you, that really speaks to you as a movie buff? Well, um, I'm, I'm, I guess uh, I, I'm just, I am a movie buff, but I'm also a filmmaker. So I, I, I constantly look for, you know, movies that inspire me in the craft that I do and stuff like that. Um, and the film that I tend to turn back to pretty much every time I jump behind the camera is uh, Night of the Hunter. Um, yeah, uh, I, can, I can explain why, um, if, if, if that's required, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can say whatever you want to say. Eric and Bruce are salivating over you and they're waiting for you to replace me because you already have better taste than I do. So congratulations. I mean, I can I can shoot out some bad titles that I love as well. Don't worry. Labyrinth <laughs> is one of my favorite films of all time. So I don't know if that's considered a bad film. I like it a lot, but you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's not considered among the glorious, you know, echelons of cinema history. 
What you know? What just for listeners who are not in the know, I, can we just just to put a fine point on it? I'm sure because of how it's shot in black and white and how beautiful it looks, is that one of the major reasons why you can go back to that movie over and over again as a filmmaker yourself? I think it's a bunch of elements. For me, it's the fairy tale that I think, like it's a gothic fairy tale that feels, you can completely feel the mood of it. It is like the whole tone of the film is consistent. Um, And every time I watch it, whenever I get to, there's something special about certain movies that have, and this is a weird note to bring up, but musical moments. Uh, where a song comes up, but it feels natural and not, you know, like a musical. And uh, that film has one of the best musical scenes ever when uh, I, I don't remember the actress's name, but... Um, Shelley Winters, maybe? The, is that... Uh, the mother? The mother, the, the mother yes, yeah. yes, yes. All right, so she's sitting in the house with her gun prepared. The, the older lady, right? Oh, the older lady. No, not uh, Shelly Winters. Yeah, the older lady. Lillian Gish. Yes. Lillian Gish. Lillian famous, Gish. Correct. famous silent movie actress. Yes. Yes. Bruce, sitting... don't, you, don't you correct me, Bruce. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of it, but thank, but thank you so much for that. <laughs> you look it up. She's I might be wrong. sitting in there and she starts singing, um, you know, the, uh, the prayer-like song. And then uh, our evil priest character comes in and he's out there and we know they're there and they're both singing together. And it's, it's, it's this extremely extremely tense situation and it's there's something about it that is actually like beautiful even though it's tense like it's a it's a horror film it's a thriller but it's also weirdly like nostalgic but it's like a nostalgia for like horror in a weird way like there there's a nostalgia for childhood and innocence wrapped up inside of a very dark film okay so that is the Night of the Hunter, released in 1955, that if I recall, Bruce, please correct me if I'm wrong, which I totally am all the time. It's directed by Charles Lawton, Eric Holmes. Have you seen The Night of the Hunter? You have? Um, you love oh, no, actually, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Night, Night of the Hunter is pretty sweet. Actually, uh, the, if I can, what uh, you said you're a filmmaker. Like, what uh, have you done? Like, what, what sort of things have you done? And is there anything we can see online or anything like that? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I have a website, uh, jeffbasson.com, J-E-F-F-B-A-S-S-I-N.com, and you can scroll through. uh, It's mostly music videos, some comedy sketch short films, and then there's a couple creepy horror films, things like that. I I think uh, the style is uh, obviously not quite as, like, specific. You're not going to be like, okay, this guy does this thing. But I think the thing that you will notice is that there's a innovation in the filmmaking and a funness to what I do. So it's it's much more based on creativity uh, than a specific tone, I guess. Um, Your art, yeah. by the way, is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Love it. So, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 how do you? Because I, I haven't seen them yet. I will rectify that tonight when we're done. But uh, is, is that something you just like you have a camera editing stuff, you go out and shoot whatever you can, or is it something you have to raise money for to do the shorts or I, I'm guessing the music videos probably just hit up the band for that. It's usually uh, for the music videos. It's usually friends, bands uh, that want to work on something. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Typically it's that. And then um, 
when it comes to short films, it's usually as soon as I'm inspired, I'm going to make it, you know, but sometimes you just lose that inspiration. And that's when I spend the time writing or doing illustration, uh, which also uh, you can check out uh, my Instagram page as well uh, for photography uh, at Jeff Basson. And then I do little uh, kind of little cartoons that uh, this is harder to spell, but it's J-E-P-P-U-R-I, like Jeopardy with two P's, Jeffrey. Yeah, just a different way of spelling Instagram. <laughs> uh, but I, you can see like little creative, fun cartoons there. Yeah. I, I, I don't want you to talk shit on anybody, but I have worked with uh, bands doing videos and I'm guessing perhaps you've dealt with this too. How many bands have you started to film a video for, but then the band doesn't show up? Um, I mean, zero for that. Uh, okay. The band usually shows up because I, I guess I'm not at the level where, where the band uh, is, is so careless about it. They, they usually care when <laughs> like they're not like, all right, uh, they want that music video. Uh, and usually I'm not working for extremely expensive prices. Um, hit me up <laughs> if, you want, if you want a budget uh, filmmaker behind your work who's, uh, you know, passionate. Um, Jeff has a perfect but, tagline on his Instagram, <laughs> Jeff Perry. That's one of his things. Quote, unquote, amateur art from a professional man. So, nice. Nice. Exactly. Very, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hack Jeff's account, folks, and I'm going to make that feed into mine because it is beautiful to look at. I'm telling you, it's not amateur art whatsoever. Really gorgeous wow. to look at. So... <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of this Find Your Film segment. Guys, you want to say anything else to Jeff? Because I've been hogging up all these questions. Anything? Bruce? Eric? What? Do you have a new movie in the box right now? I can't. I don't remember. Uh, what, what, uh, what do you mean by a new movie in the box? Have you like, given oh, me one? Oh, for you, for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I believe the last one I sent for you guys was the Guy Madden stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys uh, have checked out any of his other stuff. I can push that as, as something in the box now uh <laughs> brand upon the brain is uh i, I can't i would but it's almost impossible to find brand upon the brain tell him to watch the snyder cut <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even seen the snyder cut yet uh i i i've been waiting for an opportunity with friends so it, it can be a little right. bit less of a loner right. big big screen you know I, I i miss movie theaters um all right, you think about it. Yeah, you I'll think about now. it, and I will send you guys another uh, solid recommendation. You know, if, if you want to pick something just niche enough where you know nobody's seen it. So, <laughs> just so you know, Bat Pussy is on Pornhub, so it's available <laughs> for free. You know what? I, <laughs> I have I have something for you guys. It, it'll be an interesting one. Um, have you heard of the film uh, Tropical Malady? No, no. Okay, let's put that in the box. Tropical, Tropical Malady. Malady, I, and I, I, my vocabulary is limited, so malady is a very good word to use. JeffBasson.com, Jeff Puri at Instagram. We will put all the links in our latest show notes. Thank you, Jeff, so much for being a part of our show. Thank you, guys. I could talk about film forever, so right. appreciate you guys, uh, you know, letting me in. All right. all right. Take care. Take care. Okay, so now we're back with our featured, featured review of the week, and that is Concrete Cowboy. I was excited for this movie. It stars Idris Elba. By the way, I'm right off the top. Eric Holmes, Bruce Parkey, favorite Idris Elba movie. Can you name one? I'm trying to think of one, and I can't really. Molly's Game. 
Very good. So Very it's a good. movie, not a not a TV series. Oh yeah, you're gonna say The Wire, right? I would, you know, yeah, unfortunately. But I would say Beasts of No Nation. Is that what it's called? Beasts of No Nation. Oh, very good. Another great. I have not Pacific. Seen it was in Pacific Rim, right? Speaking yes, of Godzilla and Kong. By the way, Kaiju, very underrated Guillermo del Toro film. Very underrated. So would you say Pacific Rim over, what was your other choice? Molly's Game? Which which one? Two different uh, movies no, again. No, Mo- Molly's Game's like way up top. Uh, Pacific Rim is fun. I, actually, Pacific Rim is a little better than Kong versus Godzilla, in Wait, my opinion. On. But I'm hearing, I'm hearing uh, the communications. What did you say, Bruce Perky? Oh, The Dark Tower is his your favorite Idris Elba movie? <laughs> oh. I don't, are you, is, he, is Bruce Perky coming in through Eric Holmes? What, did you hear that? Did I did not. I, I would not do that to Bruce. Bruce is, is there a lag? Is there a lag on the Wi-Fi? No. I, or actually, Bruce is not commenting. I don't think he wants to talk to me for the rest of the episode. By the way, in fairness, I have not seen the Dark Tower. I don't know if Bruce Berkey or Eric Holmes has can chime in on the Dark it, Tower. It, it's a complete oh, mess. It's a complete, it's a complete mess. mess. Me like, or the Dark you, Tower? You, Which you know, one? you know when you know when people talk about like, oh, that movie is the worst movie ever. Yes. And Ed, really, what there. it means is they didn't like it. Okay. You know. Um, and then you'll watch it and it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. There, there's there's almost zero redeeming value in uh, Dark Tower. Oh it's not goodness. quite as bad as The Snowman with Michael yeah, yeah. Fassbender. Not yeah, quite that bad. Pretty close, though. Pretty Ooh. close. Has that, did that whet your appetite, Bruce Perky, to actually watch The Dark Tower now? After No. No, not one bit. Not one nope. bit. Okay, so enough of the dark tower. That's my fault. Let's talk about a movie that I think I, I'm hoping that Bruce and Eric feel the same way that I think is very, quite, quite, very, very good. It's Concrete Cowboy comes out on Netflix April 2nd. Yo, yo, what are you doing? You riding with smush, you can't be here. What you care about? You're going to put yourself in a hole you can't crawl out of. Yo, you know you're not welcome around here. There you go. Tough love heart. Go on. All right, I'll go on. You want to ride the street life? You can't be in my house. All right? You want to wise up? You say goodbye to Smush? You welcome back. Welcome back to what? Old bed and sliced cheeses? I ain't got no home here. That's your choice. And it's produced by Idris Elba. It stars Idris Elba. And it centers on this 15-year-old teenager named Cole, played by Stranger Things actor Caleb McLaughlin. He is from, he's expelled from a school in Detroit. And he's sent to live with his dad, Harp, played by Idris Elba, up in North Philadelphia. Okay, so you think it's going to be a father, a strange father getting along with his son, trying to get along with his son in North Philadelphia. Here's a catch. Harp lives in a very ramshackle apartment. In the middle of that apartment is a horse. A horse is in the freaking apartment. And later we realize that Harp is the leader of a group of people who take care of, I'm reading from the plot synopsis, it says, quote unquote, inner city cowboys at the Fletcher Street stables. And these are basically Fletcher Street cowboys and cowgirls. This is a real thing. In North Philadelphia, it introduces us to the culture of these cowboys, cowgirls who live in that area and ride horses in North Philadelphia. It marks the directing directorial debut of Ricky Staub, who also co-wrote it. Absolutely, really fell in love with this movie. I can't wait till we really get to talk about it. Oh, the movie also stars Jarell Jerome, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, as Smush, the cousin 
of Cole, who actually reunites with Cole and tries to bring Cole into into his criminal activities, as well as dreams of a better life outside of their North Philadelphia area neighborhood. Eric Holmes, Concrete, were, were you a huge fan of Concrete Cowboy? Well, um, I was very disappointed that they didn't start the movie out with uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised in the stables where the horse eats most of it, say, but that's <laughs> this movie worried me at the beginning because I thought it was just another inner city, you know, sad sack movie. It started off that way, but it turned out to be pretty interesting. There was a couple things I really liked about it. One was, uh, as you mentioned, the kid's mom can't handle him and he's he's just going down the wrong path so she drops him off his dad's and right away I'm that that part kind of confused me I guess that's a thing that happens maybe but I don't quite understand because if you're keeping a kid away from their dad for that long why would you then say well here take them now but that's neither here nor there um (laughs) I, I I liked how you know the kid is you know seen as a troublemaker you know the dad you know, if you're going to live here, you got to do by my rules. And you find out that he wants to kind of put him on the right path. You can't hang around this kid because he's trouble and you're going to, you're going to end up uh, probably dead or in jail or both. And uh, as the movie goes along, at least this is what I got from it. Neither one of them are right. The the bad influence, he actually had some, uh, he actually has a plan and to better himself. And so he's right. He's just going about it in a dangerous way. But then if he stays with the dad, you know, that's on the surface, that seems like the good choice, but they're making some bad choices too, which is not conducive for a long lasting life. And then it gets kind of weird when it goes full on Western at the end, but it was weird in a good way. I, I really enjoyed this movie. A lot of this movie came out of left field for me. I was like, I was not expecting it to be this movie. And it was, and I quite liked it. Uh, a lot of it reminded me of the Mustang. Yes. Uh, the the prison movie. Yeah. Great movie. Mixed the Mustang with some young guns with kind of, I almost want to say people under the stairs, but it's not a horror movie. So I don't want to give that impression, <laughs> but the, the, like people under the stairs has this weirdness to it. It's like a horror movie, but it's, it's, it's not quite what you think it is going in. I think Concrete Cowboys are the same thing. It's you'll start watching the movie and then it'll become something a little different than what you might expect it to be. Bruce, without giving too much away, one of the things I really loved about Concrete Cowboy is the whole tropey father and son relationship. The director and co-writer Ricky Staub doesn't settle for overly sentimentalized, hyper real moments where he's making us want to cry in our, in our respective uh, napkin or tissue or whatnot. I, I really loved how it strayed away from that. Did you give that movie points for that? Or what, what did you give this movie points for your overall thoughts on this film? Uh, yeah. Yes, I did. Exactly. So both of you are kind of talking about how that there are points in this movie that are very um, traditional kind of coming of age slash rising out of your, you know, negative environment kind of stuff. But every time it starts to go along a really, or every time it does something that's kind of stereotypical, it does two more things that are weird and different. And I, I think that's what I appreciated. So 
perfect example would be like he comes to his dad house and he's like you know the kind of the outcast kid and all that and you meet the horse and it's like oh this is weird and whatever and he's kind of an angry kid but then shortly after that he climbs into the stable because he wants to go find a place to sleep and there's just this moment where he's face to face with this horse which you find out later is like the horse that no one can tame kind of a horse he's face to face with this horse for just several moments and it's just it just lets you sit there with that it does a weird thing to you like it becomes this kind of awesome profound moment and this movie does a several times does things like that in ways you're not expecting you're comparing it to all these different movies i also got moments of almost like like karate kid or something you know what i mean so there's these scenes where there's all the old timers or all the guys that know the scene there they know and they want to kind of give put him through the the paces but instead of just doing it in a really like maybe a montage, I could imagine it being done as a montage. They don't. They just they let them really have the moment. It's the moment where he's basically I don't know. There's a sequence probably where he's dumping horse shit for like what ten or fifteen minutes. Yep. And they let you just do that, and he let let him meet this character that's there. And I forget that guy's name. He was awesome. The gentleman was in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's one of he's one of the non actors. Oh, yeah, and yeah. that's a great thing about this movie this movie has a version of the you know when you say based on real life and they show all the pictures of the people at the end there's a version of that i don't want to talk about exactly that i loved in the end of this movie and one other thing i remember i started watching this before you guys and i sent you a picture because i love a movie like this where there is elements of realism that they're just there they don't have to be there like really early on he arrives in this neighborhood and he, he knows nobody he doesn't want to go to his dad's and he's knocking on doors. He knocks on this person's door. And they before that, they showed you an establishing shot of the street name. And then while he's talking to the woman in the background, there's an address. So I said, huh, I'm going to look up that address on that street in Philadelphia and do the Google uh, street search. And sure enough, they filmed it in that actual, actual spot. That's the actual house with that actual address. They didn't call attention to it other than it was just there. So stuff like that was just... Wow adds a level to this movie along with the character stuff we just kind of hinted about that um it, it just you could just feel when you're watching it there's something unique and different here and i really appreciated that well you know we're going back to tropey stuff in sometimes in a good way and i i love throwing these neorealism touches when you know mentioning neorealism and non-actors and and a lot of times the that this el- that element ends up being sort of either the saving grace or s- something that really actually steals the film like we were talking in our Days of Heaven segment, I really love Linda Mance. And in all fairness, Idris Elba is excellent in this movie. A really subtle role. Caleb McLaughlin, if you've seen him in Stranger Things, you know what a good actor he is. He is, and he's very good in this movie as well. Lorraine Toussaint is a very good actress. A lot of Method Man is in this as a lawman. Very good as well. A lot of very good actors. But to Bruce's point, uh, my favorite moment is when we get to really get into, albeit briefly, into the lives of the cowboys, the actual cowboys yeah. who are living in North Philadelphia. And this is not a complaint. I just felt the supporting characters who were non-actors, I could I would love to see documentaries or movies on their lives. I'm not looking in, I'm not seeing that saying that as a criticism, but I think what's cool about Concrete Cowboy is this movie could be a jumping off point for further research into the people who live in the area. And I think that's very well intended. Eric, you look like you have something to say. I was kind of wanted to point out Method Man, because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of him as an actor. But he was he was pretty good in this. He had kind of a smaller part, and also the uh, the couple people uh, realized that were uh, non actors 
So didn't bad. even realize that till the very yeah. end. Where, and um, it, it, it does that. It does that thing kind of like the almost exact same thing that Nomadland did. It's like, mm-hmm. oh wow, I haven't seen them before. They're pretty good. Oh, they're not at, <laughs> like that. You know, this, this one kind of does that same Nomadland. Although I think this one's a lot more fun than Nomadland because there's a lot more levity in Concrete Cowboys than there. I mean, there was still levity in Nomadland, but that one was mostly dour and this one was a little more upbeat for the most part i mean it you know d- definitely gets dour but then there's the uh part where they're just sitting around the yep. sitting around the bonfire just hanging out and much like a nomad land i'm like i fucking love these people i just want to yeah. hang out with these people and come to find out they probably just said look hang around we're just gonna videotape you until Matt the man comes in and breaks up the party and I mean, the fact that Method Man's playing a cop, that's like watching uh, Henry Rollins play a cop in the chase. It's like, <laughs> in the chase. Good pull. Good pull. <laughs> Good pull. Eric Holmes. By the way, I interviewed Henry Rollins way back in the day for that movie, The Chase. Maybe that's going to be one of our next movie rewinds The Chase, starring Charlie Sheen, Christy Swanson, and Henry Rollins. That'd be cool. I, I, I haven't seen that movie in years. But, anyways, Bruce, final thoughts on Concrete Cowboy? Eric, final thoughts? I, I enjoyed it. Solid yes. recommend for me. Yeah, it's a solid recommend for me too. I think a lot of people, if they give it a chance, they'll sink into it and and just really kind of love the characters. And and I mean, it's hard not to at least like it. At least know? like it. And yeah. Yeah, you guys don't think it went overboard on the saccharine, which I don't think it did whatsoever. No. It, it just crept up to the edge, but I think it always kept it just real enough that it never quite tipped over for me. And if anything, it just, it just, it made it kind of sink in deeper in a more real way. I thought, I thought it was I, great. I, I would say if you're like me and you start, start it, just kind of rolling your eyes saying, I've seen this movie a thousand times, just stick with it. Cause it, it gets, yep. you know, give it about 15, 20 minutes and then you'll start to, I, I think you might start falling into it. And especially the last half of the movie where it just, basically just becomes a full-on western is pretty fantastic (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so that is concrete cowboy streaming on netflix starting april 2nd thank you to the powers that be at netflix for giving us an early access to the screen screener links for concrete cowboy okay so now we are off to our weekly recommendations bruce porky we're going to start off with you what is your what do you want to recommend to our listeners our community i want to strongly recommend the second movie i saw well it was the first movie i saw this week in the theater but the second movie i'm talking about that i saw in the theater and that is uh nobody hmm. 2021 release directed by Ilya neishuler who directed hardcore henry if you've ever seen Hardcore Henry. In fact, before I talk about this, I am one of the people that actually saw it in the theater. I don't know if very many people did. Uh, and I was at the time I was working graveyard shift. So on my nights off, I had to force myself to stay up overnight or I would totally mess up my rhythm. So I would go to the last showing of movies like 1130, 12, you know, midnight. And I went and just saw this like that. I think it was like maybe two people in the theater and it was one of the only movies I've ever been to where they said like, Hey, you know what? This movie might be crazy because it's so much motion stuff going on that you might want to leave. We'll give you your money back if you want to leave. So they don't say that kind of stuff very often when you go into movies. Anyway, we're back to nobody. So what is nobody? Bob Odenkirk is kind of the main draw to this movie. Everyone's going to compare it to, you know, the, John Wick movies, uh, maybe they're going to compare it to, um, oh, uh, Taken, that kind of thing. So, you know, start out with the idea that this is not breaking new ground in the concept. Okay. The concept is Hutch Mansell, Bob Odenkirk, 
And it starts out and he's just living the life of suburban middle-aged white guy. He's got his routine and you see his routine in like a kind of a sort of a, a heightened montage of his week, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you see him just repeating the same thing every, every day. You know, he misses the garbage every week. He gets his coffee the same way every day. He waits at the bus stop every day. He comes home. He's got his wife and his two kids. Life is, you know, dull. He's working for his father-in-law, you know, <laughs> he's just, you know, life is okay, but it's not great. And it gets disrupted when two people home invade his house. Uh, they don't seem like professionals. They seem pretty disorganized and crazy. He's trying to deal with the situation when he walks downstairs and they're in his house. His son tackles one of the people and he has a moment where he can hit the person and he doesn't do it. And it basically kind of sets it up as if he's kind of looked at as a loser, like he failed in his moment. And that's kind of your setup for the whole thing. But as we all know, this is a movie where he kicks ass. <laughs> so some developments occur pretty quickly within the first 15, 20 minutes that allow him a situation where he kicks ass. And the, the magic of this movie is just the, his character and the situations the ways he kicks ass. Uh, I enjoyed this movie so much. I mean, this is, I was only one other person was in the theater and there was a couple moments where I clapped out loud and I don't do that very often in theaters. So much fun. Uh, just to say really quickly, other people in this movie, uh, Connie Nielsen, uh, Christopher Lloyd is in this movie. Very good. And Michael Ironside is in this movie. Love Michael Ironside. Come on, right? <laughs> And going back to the Wu Tang, Riza is in this movie. Riza. <laughs> by the way, so, by, by the way, for for a year or two, because I I was I was a suburban kid, I used to call him RZA. Just uh, that's a strike three on me, but he is Riza. <laughs> but you're allowed. <laughs> also known so, as Bobby Digital. So yeah. yeah. So uh, if you even like those kind of action movies a little bit, I think you will love this movie. It's it's got a ton of humor, but it doesn't. Gimp on the action and the violence when it happens it's real and he's kind of in a way he's kind of like um a diehard kind of hero when he gets he gets hurt too he gets effed up in some of these fights he's not a superhero it's a ton of fun and it's 90 minutes 93 minutes or something mm -hmm. it just comes in it hits you hard the action's there it's fun satisfying and it finishes and it's done Bruce Perky, I'm going to read something from Rotten Tomatoes. By the way, Rotten Tomatoes, the audience rating right now for nobody is 95%. So I'm sure 95% agree with you, Bruce Perky. 80% on critics, which is excellent, excellent rating. Here is this critic, Max Weiss from Baltimore Magazine. Quote, nobody is the axe body spray of movies. It's mm -hmm. pseudo cool. It leaves a lingering bad odor. <laughs> like me, I guess, like kind of like me. And just because it'll find an appreciative audience of hormonal teenage boys doesn't mean it's actually any good. Bruce Perky, your rebuttal of that. Do you see some people who might, in fairness, might take it the other way? And yeah, say I mean, there's going to be people that are automatically turned off by the kind of the genre, you know, the action movie genre in general. But this is not, I mean, his character is like my age almost so first of all he's not cool he's not even cool when he fights he's what i really love there's two things that i love about his character without giving anything away one is his approach to the violence so what would you say john wick he's kind of it's a little more slick than this movie john wick is 
and I feel like John Wick is always like he's always like um, he's resigned to having to basically keep doing this stuff. Would you agree? That's kind of the way yeah. he approaches it. Yeah. That's not the approach of Bob Odenkirk's character. He's more like a recovering addict. And when he sees that he's going to have to, or he's going to, he's impending possibly to have to get into a violent situation. It's almost like he's like, Oh, I'm finally going to be able to take another smoke on my cigarette. I'm ready for this. That's his approach. So he's almost like wishing that it'll happen, but not in making it happen, but he's not going to stop it if it does. And the other thing is it does something that's really, really great. There's movies like this where there's these scenes in all these kind of movies where, you know, you beat someone down and they're about to die and they, and they say like, who are you? What is this? And they tell them I'm this and I have a special, you know, the whole uh, taken thing, right? I have a special set of skills and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of moments in this movie that plays on that trope in an amazingly funny way. And it's not overdone. It's done like once or twice, but when it happens, you'll be like, Oh God, that's perfect. This movie yeah. is great the director keep an eye on him he's gonna be he's gonna be doing stuff we forgot bruce perky when you were at that late night screening of hardcore henry they were they were warning you you could have the money back did you get did you get your money back or was that did you not have any kind of motion sickness whatsoever with hardcore henry oh i loved it i thought it was great it was okay so incredibly spastic and good yeah yeah eric holmes i have bad news i mean i well you're not you're not entitled like me eric holmes i was thinking because of the because of the worldwide tragedy that we've had to endure over a year with with this with uh with the virus and everything like this i was thinking nobody hey there are people ah, bruce perky he's going to the theater i can just download it for 14.99 i see here it's in theaters only in theaters only i gotta watch it eric holmes i gotta go to your local theater and check out nobody well, I'm definitely going to watch it. I, I don't quite know what the theater situation is here. I, I haven't mm. really looked, but I think the last time I went was Tenet. And it was, uh, even then it was uh, tumbleweeds. <laughs> mm. uh, so but, but we'll see. I definitely want to get back to the theater again. Maybe this would be a good excuse to do so. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Nobody might be a very good excuse. So that is a strong recommendation from Bruce. And Perkins. hey, yes. nobody will be there. So it's perfectly no, safe. No, nobody will be there for nobody. But, you know, again, I forget, Bruce, how many people in the theater when you saw it? Just a couple? One other person. I one. went to a Saturday matinee. There was oh. one other person. So I was social distanced by about 30 yards. So I was, I was okay. And I was wearing masks. So, you know, masks aside, safety aside, all that stuff. Is it is it worth going to the movies? Is it a worthy movie watch as opposed to, you know, movies if- anywhere or streaming or that kind of stuff? If this doesn't sound like your kind of movie necessarily, wait, because I feel, still think you might surprisingly like it, but it's probably not worth it for you to go there. If this sounds like your kind of movie, I think it'll be worth it for you. You'll be really happy you saw it. Eric Holmes, I have this visual of Bruce Perky being him and the only seat, only the him and another person in that screening. He's doing the Robert De Niro, Max Katie laughter in Cape Fear while he's watching nobody all throughout. <laughs> I clapped. I, I clapped. I clapped at a point. There's a point. I'm just saying, Doc is in this Back to the Future. <laughs> okay. You might clap at some things he does. Okay, very. Oh, I love it. If, if you're teasing Christopher Lloyd, I love Christopher Lloyd's monologue and things to do in Denver when you're dead in an underrated classic. If you're just mentioning summoning Christopher Lloyd out there into the ether, I, I definitely have to see nobody very, very soon. Now, that is Bruce Perky's first recommendation. Eric Holmes, you're up. What do you have for us this week to recommend? I saw a movie called Quo Vadis Ida. Mm. Um, 
Now, I'm not a big news guy, um, but this was based on a true story. I believe it was a genocide. Uh, this takes place in Trebenica, and okay. uh, it's near the uh, United Nations, um, right where you go for, uh, oh, goodness, there's a word for that. Anyway, uh, when, when you're a foreigner and you go to this place where you uh, people can't mess with you. Uh, yeah, embassy, the embassy, embassy, well, there local you. embassy, right? So they're a uh, United Nations embassy, and the place is filled up. And you go outside, and there are thousands, probably a million people outside, just like as far as I can see. And they're all trying to get inside this place uh, because the Serbian army is trying to take over this uh, this uh, small town. And apparently, this was a uh, thing that actually happened that ended up in genocide. And so me not knowing the history of this when I was watching it, I didn't know that. I just knew that something was going on and it's not very good. And this uh, Ida played by Jasna Jurikic, Jurisis. Okay. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that, but uh, she's a translator. And so the people in the UN embassy uh, kind of take her in to the embassy because they need someone to you know, translate, uh, you know, when they're speaking Serbian or whatever language they're speaking, they need her to, or they're speaking English, they need her to translate everything. And uh, because, you know, when you got thousands or millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, and uh, they're all frightened, and then you just got one guy there that can speak English, and no one knows what he's talking about, you know, this, wow, this is a great plot. I mean, it's just what, what do you do? You're trying to do your job. Do you tell the secrets to the people that you love? Yeah. It's compromising your career and your job. And well, so, well, so that, that, that comes into play when the uh, Serbian army comes in and they think that they're harboring uh, military within the UN embassy. Mm. So they're, they're like, you know, the, the soldiers at, uh, at the embassy are like, you can't come in. The Serbians like, we're coming in. <laughs> like, you know, do you want to, we, we need to, if if you don't let us come in and look to see if there's anyone with uh, in the military or any traitors in there, then we're just going to assume that they're there and we'll do whatever the fuck we want because uh, fuck you, that's why. And so the uh, Ada, she's got her husband there and her two kids and she's trying to hide them because if the uh, army finds them, these kids are pretty much dead almost immediately. And on top of that, she being a translator she gets to hear pretty much everyone's take on everything because she understands everyone and so she knows a lot more than pretty much everyone there and she knows how more dour the situation and how more dangerous the situation is getting and so she's trying to hide her family and for she's trying to get them in the embassy and then once she gets them in there she's like oh shit no we got to get out of the embassy (laughs) and now she's having trouble there and uh, this movie is harrowing. And um, I, I brought up Gavin Hood plenty of times because um, mostly because I want to erase people's thoughts of a certain movie that he did that he's well known for because he's actually a really good filmmaker and does movies like this really well. And had I not known better, this seems like it would be a Gavin Hood type movie, kind of like Official Secrets or Eye in the Sky, where it's just. It's just tense all the way through. It's very thrilling and heartbreaking, harrowing. And especially when you uh, go back and think, wow, this really happened. And I don't understand how people can be so horrible towards each other. Um, and Where just, did you see this? Uh, I, I 
uh, rented this on Amazon. Okay. It's currently on digital, on demand. Quo Vadis Aida. Again, I don't know if I'm going to keep on doing this. I apologize. I am just, for, for some reason, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes while you were talking about this, Eric, looking at a couple of these blurbs. And Robin Clifford from Reeling Reviews said, after a second viewing, the sinking heart and stomach churn hit me just as hard as the first. So this I, is... I, I, I would co-sign on that. Oh my goodness. This is sounds like a big gut punch of a movie. And here, here's my personal gut punch because I like to throw myself into things because I'm an idiot. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for being more professional than Greg Srizavosti, the least member of the Find Your Film crew, because as of February, I've had about four or five emails for opportunities to see Quobas, oh, yeah. Aida, and pre- if you want to ha- hit us up for press opportunities as well for interviews. So that's my fault, folks. And I, um, I apologize, Eric Holmes. Well, I, I, you. So I, I, yeah. I guess I should point out, the uh, I came across this, I listened to another podcast the critically acclaimed podcast mm-hmm. uh, if you watch if you watch Down, you know who william bibiani and william seibold is and william bibiani was talking about this and it's like oh that sounds that sounds like it could be kind of good gavin hood-esque type movie to check out and okay. it, it definitely was and but if you have like a and not that it's gory but like if you can't handle movies like this it, it's completely understandable mm. because when when you have people doing things that are this horrible to each other and then to know that oh this isn't just a movie this this sort of thing actually happened in real life it's it's just heartbreaking to watch so this might not be everyone's cup of tea but um i think this story is definitely important and it's it's they uh they do it well in this one so it also i think it just goes to show like how quickly we forget things like this have happened you know like i mean I don't know if you remember, Greg, I'm assuming you do. And Eric, I don't know how old you were when Bosnia, Herzegovina and Srebrenica and all that stuff was happening. And it's like, it goes and it goes away. And then people like, you know, I'm sure people that are 20 now might have not a clue about this at all. So, and I can imagine it's pretty intense. I'm really curious to watch this one myself. I think, I think, uh, I, I can't speak for everyone around the world, but I think here in America, we think that the last time a genocide happened was during world war II. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah, no. Bruce, I'm going to see if maybe you and I can get a screening link from Quo Vadis Aida. Probably not. It's because it's currently on digital or demand, but I'm going to try to bend the ear of the publicists who are handling that film that Eric Holmes, by the way, I would strong to watch it. Yeah, yeah, you strongly recommend Eric Holmes. Yeah, yeah, uh, but again, uh, strong recommend. But uh, no, if you know what kind of movie this is, you'll know whether or not this is a movie you can handle or not. And listeners, if you have a petition to actually have Bruce Perky or Eric Holmes to take over my Gmail account where I get all the movies that are coming out, please email bruceperky at gmail.com or ericholmes at hamslime at gmail.com. With Eric, you can make it streamlined. Well, actually, with Bruce Perky, you can make it streamlined. For the What's in the Box segment, actually email bruceperky at gmail.com. Tell him what movie you want him to Put in the box to one day review, hopefully, and then just say, please fire Greg Srizvasi and take over his account or go to Eric Holmes and say, hey, you know what? Hook me up for your weekly entertainment gift card giveaway. And while you're at that, please take away Greg Srizvasi's email from his own grubby little hands so you guys can do a better job at covering movies. But you know who's doing a great job at covering movies is Bruce Perky. What is, you have another recommendation? Yes. I do. Yes. Talking about other podcasts, uh, I was listening every week. I listened to Joe Dante's podcast, um, mm. and they had the director of um, Nobody, 
on there talking about the movies that have influenced him. Uh, I would, it's a really great list. And he, he goes on for like almost two hours. So they really get into a lot of stuff and it's, it's really interesting. And actually he talks a little bit about the, how that movie kind of came about nobody, but the movies that made us. Yeah. Movies that made us, he mentioned a ton of movies and and almost all of them I had seen, or I was aware of, you know, but then he mentioned this one movie I had never heard of and it sounded really intriguing. So I went and looked it up and this movie is called punishment park from 1971, directed by Peter Watkins. It's available to rent on Flicks Fling, or if you have a member, you know, if you have paid for it, you can get it for free on Flix Fling. You can get a DVD or Blu-ray. This is really fascinating and really a pretty amazing movie. So here's the basic concept of this movie. This has got to be one of the first early, I wouldn't call it a mockumentary, I'd call it like a pseudo-documentary, because it's not comedic but the idea is this is 1971 so you can imagine like you know this is still the height of the vietnam war you've got you know protests everywhere you've got kent state you've got all that stuff going yeah. on in the world this is a pseudo documentary it starts out and it's supposed to be a documentary being done by these british filmmakers so you hear a little bit of voiceover by them but not much it's shot documentary style it's shot with 16 millimeter and the idea is there's a slightly altered version of america where they have outlawed or at least increased the penalties for people who are activists, who are draft dodgers, who are very vocal uh, for women's rights, racial justice, so on and so forth. And what they've done is they've created the system where they have these tribunals in the desert. And then they'll basically, it's basically a kangaroo court, right? Where they basically try you, but you're going to fail no matter what. And then when they sentence you, they give you a sentence of, you know, 10 years, 15 years in federal prison, or you can go to Punishment Park. Punishment Park is also in the desert. What Punishment Park is, is they take you to a place on a hill and they point across to another hill that's like 10 miles away in the desert. And they say, you're going to go all the way along this ridge, all the way across the valley, and then up to the other hill, it's about 50 something miles on the other hill is an American flag. And you have three days to get there. If you can get to that American flag in those three days, you've, you've served your sentence. So what this movie does is it intersperses. So it's like they have groups. So like say the group that's starting the punishment park is group 175. They intercut it with 176's group getting their trial. So it goes from the trial to the, oh, and after they start their punishment park, they, they leave too late, two hours later, the pursuit force starts after you. It'll be like national guardsmen, police officers, so forth. Hardly anyone in this movie is an actor. So for example, in the courtroom scenes, which are basically like, you know, the, the different accused kind of standing up for themselves versus the kind of tribunal of right-wingers essentially, they got real conservative people and real activists and they let them argue out the stuff. And there are some scripted things as far as like the events that happen, but not really the words that are said by anybody in this movie. And it's, it's a very fascinating and weird and interesting movie. One I'm amazed I never heard about, and I guess it got banned in a lot of places, obviously didn't get a ton of screenings. Um, it's pretty cool. Hmm. It's weird that the movie has no re relevance to society whatsoever. Eric Holmes, do you agree <laughs> <Yeah>. with me on that? Nope, none at all. <laughs> none at all. None at all. 
Oh, wow. So th- does this have a rewatchability factor? It seems like it has one of those kind of feelings. Yeah, too. well, I mean, and obviously you can watch this at different times in America. I mean, and I posted, when I posted <laughs> this, all I said was, this happened 40 years ago. This happened 40 years ago. 40 oh. years ago. <laughs> this Did you see my comment where I said, thank goodness that's in the past? I mean, if you look at the, the, the poster, it's literally, it's just like a, a, a distant shot of, uh, an activist in the middle of the desert on their knees next to a police officer with a shotgun faced at their head. I mean, that's what you see. Wow. <laughs> so it's just, this movie is something else. Okay. So that is Punishment Park. That was recommended by Bruce Perky, who actually checked that out from the mo- uh, Movies That Made Us podcast with Joe Dante, recommended by the director of Nobody. So that is Punishment Park. Eric Holmes, do you have, I think you have something with physical media that you wanted to show us uh, Slytherin, Slithing, Slithis. What's this? Finally, (laughs) finally, nature unleashes its revenge. From the pollution of our nuclear waste came the killer we couldn't destroy. Hell hath no fury like Slithis. Slithis. (laughs) Slithis. That sounds, I like the titling of that movie. I'll I'll lower I believe the real name is Spawn of Slithis because okay. uh, when it when it comes on, it says Spawn of Slithis instead of Slithis. But we all know it's really just called Slithis because that's a pretty awesome name. Uh, <laughs> this this is a complete B movie. Um, if you're if you're into uh, movies like Nailgun Massacre, but you're like, you know, Nailgun Massacre is really good, but I really wanted it to have a creature from the Black Lagoon sort of <laughs> monster in it. Slithis is your movie. The uh, the dialogue in this is really bad, but kind of interesting. It, it's like someone almost got Tarantino right, but then the actors couldn't <laughs> pull it off. Um, and the uh, the this is cre- an abomination of a plot summary on IMDb. Quote: A nuclear leak. It's probably a- accurate, but go ahead. A nuclear leak. Thanks. A nuclear leak creates a mutant slithers sea monster, which terrorizes the variety of pets, winos, and hippies who hang around Venice, California. Yeah, is that that, that, that sounds about right? Um, <laughs> and then they have uh, they have real science in it air quotes for the listeners wow. air quotes real science in this the yeah the, so the the dialogue is what really struck me and <laughs> i would have to watch this movie again because th- this is a movie that i'm going to probably watch like a hundred times and be able to quote it it's like that kind of midnight movie kind of cheese to it but the uh, like okay so you got one guy the slithers came in and killed someone and uh one of the guys just walks in and uh, he's looking at the blood, and then the cop comes in, and he's like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be in here." It's like, "What's what's going on?" Oh, well, you know, uh, someone's dead, and uh, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to arrest you this time, but you cannot just squat, wander, you know, gallivant in. And then they just start like talking about regular stuff, <laughs> and then he's like, "All right, well, hey, get on out of here." I'm going to leave and you better be gone by the time I get back. Cause that's what cops do. Right. <laughs> and uh, this is. Um, yeah. Just, just watch Slithis. <laughs> did I mention that, did I mention that punishment park had a Slithis in it? 
Did I mention that was part of <laughs> <laughs> Nice tie in, Bruce. Bruce well, always trying to tie things in. I, I, I do got to bring that up. So in, in the movie, what a slither this is, if I got this right, and I probably don't, but so he's talking. So he takes uh, samples of the water and brings it to the scientists. And he's like, oh, there's uh, organic compounds mixed with inorganic compounds that we like to call a slithis. <laughs> and I guess that's what the <laughs> I guess that's what the monster bred from or something. Uh now the monster and, and it, the monster is shot mostly in the dark. Like you can hardly see it at all. Um in fact on the cover is probably where you get the best look at the monster. But the way the monster moves, because it looks like all you know scale like a creature from the Black Lagoon kind of aquatic, but it moves like a gorilla. And it makes this weird noise. And every time it does like the, the point of view, it looks like a it looks like they cut a Coke bottle and then, you know, film through the Coke bottle. So it's like that circle in the middle of the screen's clear. Everything's all weird looking. Um, it, uh, they, they, this is a movie. Get a bunch of friends together that like cheesy B horror movies. Get some popcorn. And this is not really a movie you should watch by yourself. Not because it's that spooky, you know, it's not like that, but uh, this is a movie that almost begs for you to just have a bunch of friends over watching it. Without that, you know, I, I don't think you'll get the same kind of uh, reaction to it. Can I mention now that that Greg missed his chance today? What, what did I because... oh, with, with, well, oh, oh, come on. Yes, oh, yes, 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 his yes. name should have been Greg Slithesoswasty. <laughs> that hurts my brain just trying to consider oh and i <laughs> that, yeah, i did miss my chance and I, I should have by the way i should have seen baby blood i haven't seen baby blood for the what's in the box segment coming up i will see that next week so i apologize yes this, this. This, this is a fun fact on this the script supervisor for this movie slid this in yes. case you haven't known the movie's called slid this uh the script <laughs> supervisor for slid this is mimi letter uh director of deep impact and pay it forward i believe hmm. yeah and so it, it does that. It does the uh, it does the uh, credits that like show up at the beginning of the movie, kind of like the older movies did. And I just saw Mimi letter. I'm like, wait a second, pause. Add an IMDb it, and sure enough, uh, it was uh, it was the same one. So that's kind of a fun fact. But yeah, by slid this. I, I, I believe this is a Shout Factory release. And I mean, if you like Shout Factory movies, you know what you're getting into most of the time. Very cool. By the way, it's written and directed by Steve Stephen Traxler. He, sometimes mm-hmm. he goes by Steve Traxler, and we we're talking about IMDb. That he's only directed two movies, Slithis being one of them, or like Eric was saying, Spawn of the Slithis. He's also a successful producer. When he was an associate producer for the John Woo 2002 film Wind Talkers, he was a co-producer of Legally Blonde Two. He was an associate producer of the Denzel Washington movie Out of Time in 2003. So he's done. He's had, and born yesterday, a remake starring Melanie Griffith. So he's had. Uh, uh, since you have it up, what's uh, what's the other movie he directed? He directed. Oh, the other movie he directed. It's like a whole. It's a. It says in 1999 he released a TV movie called Sam Churchill Search for a Homeless Man. Okay. So yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to watch that. I, 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 I almost <laughs> consider because like he only had in when we do the director spotlights, we only do the usually do the two movies. I'm like, maybe I should just save Slithis for a director spotlight because this is almost too perfect. <laughs> but I, I figure Greg would hate this. I think Bruce would have fun with it. 
I, oh, yeah. I can imagine Greg just wanting to drink poison the entire. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Bruce Perky <laughs> Bruce Perky and his tie-ins. I'm going to tell you a tie-in, Eric Holmes. Okay, I'm going to try to be. I'm going to try to perkyize this tie-in situation. I emailed you a week ago saying if we wanted to cover cover Slithis for the show <laughs> no, but, factory. But the writer and director of Slithis is again Stephen Traxler. You asked me a second movie. His, this is a. This is a coinkadinky. In 1999, he did a movie called Sam Churchill: Search for a Homeless Man. Okay, and it's this. Okay, so this movie, it's a TV movie. Here's the plot line: A multi-million-dollar real estate swindle, teenage pornography, arson, kidnapping, and even murder are all part of Sam Churchill's first official case as a private investigator in beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Sam Churchill is played by Dukes of Hazard co-star John Schneider. Co-stars, oh. co-stars this actress named Robin Lively. And here's the connection. Robin Lively starred in, best known for her work in a bunch of movies, including The Karate Kid Part 3. But that's not the connection. Robin Lively from that Sam Churchill movie. And here's the thing. Directed by Sam uh, Stephen Traxler. Robin Lively is the wife of actor Bart Johnson. Bart Johnson is the co-lead of this movie called Held, which we will be reviewing next week on Find Your Film. So that is, thank you, Eric Holmes, for your roundabout Slithis recommendation, because that that, that we're going to get to Held in a weird way. That that was a lot of shoe leather to connect uh, Slithis to Held. uh, That should be a new game. I like Eric. (laughs) Bruce, what are you saying? It's a new game where we somehow within seven films connect it to Slithis. So. <laughs> yeah, it's that's several degrees of Slithis. And by the way, it, it, you know, Eric Holmes, I have to disagree with you. I, you're saying that's a lot of shoe leather there. I'm a single man. A lot of shoe leather is not a bad thing for me. So uh, moving forward, uh, do we... <laughs> so, so that is it. By the way, Sam Churchill searched for a homeless man. And, and uh, you know, who knows? That might be a good movie to watch because Traxler, he, he's a, he was a successful producer. That might be an interesting movie to actually track down because I, no, no kidding aside, I like John Schneider as, a, as an actor as well. That said, Slithis out on Shout Factory, a recommendation from you, Eric Holmes, if you have a lot of friends or maybe like you, if you maybe see it solo and just want the cheesy factor, right? A little bit of yeah. the cheese level. Yeah, yeah there's, there's so much cheese in this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, good cheese. Good cheese. Good cheese. Oh Nailgun Massacre cheese. Thumbs up. I don't know. Slithis, Bruce Perky, that might be calling for us for a future movie rewind along with Covatis Co- Aida. Very good choice as well on that. We are closing out our episode with what's in the box for Bruce Perky. So we've really had a hard time. Andrew Dykstra's uh, suggestions have been failing us. Or and he's not been failing us. We've been failing him, I guess. Yes, and I so, failed him as well with Baby Blood. So sorry about that. <laughs> so I haven't been able to get a hold of Baby Blood. He suggested Rain, which I think is a New Zealand movie from uh, I want to say two thousand and one. And I looked around, and I there's no place to rent it or anything. I couldn't find it. So he shot me an alternate, and he said, "Okay, you can watch uh, Talk Radio." the Oliver Stone film from 1988. I have seen talk radio, but probably not since it came out. I remember at the time liking it, think it was a pretty, pretty solid movie. I'm assuming either one or both of you have seen talk radio at some point in your life. No, this, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to interject Bruce Berkey on your talk radio review by, by saying that uh, I'm the most unprofessional out of the three, because I had a one-on-one 30 minute interview with Eric Bogosian. He, he was uh, promoting his, I think a, a book, I think it was called mall, M-A-L-L, not M-A-U-L. I think it was called mall. I read that book. I liked that book. But when I interviewed him, I, I had not seen talk radio. 
It's so mm. I, I have not, I, and I still have not seen talk radio after, after saying that day, 25 years ago that, Oh, I like Eric, the interview with Bogosian. Can't wait to see talk radio. Still haven't seen it, but you've seen talk radio. Okay. Keep on going. Ahead. Yes. Bye. So I'm rewatching talk radio for this time, but it's been a long time. Uh, Eric Bogosian, this is kind of his breakout role as Barry Champlain, who's kind of this shock jock sort of talk radio guy in um, Dallas. And um, I think it's based on, I think he had a one-man play or uh, a play off Broadway or something that he had done a version of this. So he'd kind of got some notoriety in that role. Uh, It also has Ellen Green uh, as his ex-wife. Ellen Green, you might know as Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. He was also, I believe, in uh, uh, L.A. Law. L.A. Law, she was also in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leslie Hope uh, is his, like, his engineer, new love interest. Uh, John C. McGinley, longtime collaborator in lots of Oliver Stone films. You definitely know that guy from a lot of things. And then Alec Baldwin as kind of the radio, like, manager or whatever. He's, like, the guy. And basically the idea is that he kind of has this late knock talk show. He's kind of like... um, He's kind of based on this guy, Alan Berg. If you ever heard of that guy, this was a yeah. Alan Berg was this kind of famous uh, incendiary radio show host who eventually went afoul of white supremacists and also a little bit based on Tom Likas, who's someone a lot of people, at least in our age group, have probably heard yeah. of a very uh, obnoxious talk radio guy too. Uh, Likas 101, Likas 101. <laughs> he used to broadcast out of Westwood One when I was doing my prep service with, um, with, and with Anderson there too as well. He used to be in yeah. that same offices. Yeah, so the idea is that he's got this show at night. Uh, every denizen of the night calls him. He is very um, brash and bold and kind of, um, you know, very, he's very hot talky kind of guy too. Like he tries to, you know, kind of push buttons. Uh, and um, it pretty much focuses on that and the fact that he's about to get turned into a national radio show. So he's trying to like, you know, impress the executives at the same time he's dealing with some personal issues. I would say for me, this doesn't age as well. I don't think I like it as much as I did back then. I'd say it's definitely entertaining. I would say if you haven't ever heard of it, or if this is kind of a weird off-brand Oliver Stone for you, check it out. It's got a lot of interesting things in it. But I think that some of the stuff dates, is very kind of dated. Like the- um, Okay, why the would you think it, yeah, the radio stuff is dated, do you think? with the, you, Yeah, you think I think the radio, radio stuff is really dated. There's kind of that- um, there's kind of a rock star sort of a radio station that they kind of have for him, which doesn't seem very <laughs> realistic in my experience of hearing and watching and seeing things about radios. It doesn't radio station doesn't seem very realistic. And even worse, the callers, the voice callers that he gets seem very overacted to me. Like a <laughs> lot okay. of the people calling in don't seem very realistic to me. So I think it, I think I'm just guessing, I think a modern audience going back and watching this, would think it's kind of cheesy and kind of dated. I don't think it's going to have that edgy kind of um, amazing kind of shocking effect that it probably had on original audiences. So, so I'd this say is a moderate recommend. Moderate recommend. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny because you would, you liked it more probably like you said, the first time you saw it. So this is yes. more of a moderate. Okay. Talk radio. Yeah. Eric Holmes, talk radio. Any uh, thoughts on talk radio? Have you seen it? You maybe you saw it a long, long time ago. Yeah. I saw it a couple of years ago and I, I remember liking it quite a bit, um, but I haven't seen it in a long time. And the one part I do remember now that I'm thinking of it might actually be the end. And so I probably shouldn't even talk about that, yeah. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's basically uh, just 
uh, from what I remember, it's uh, similar to uh, pump up the volume, but just contained within. Uh, they don't really go outside of the radio station, do they? A little bit. There's not much, though. You don't remember any of that stuff. There is yeah. a couple scenes where they go out, but it's barely. Well, oh, there is a really weird, there's a flashback to how he got into the business where he tells this terrible, this terrible long curly wig. That's not so great. <laughs> so that happens. But I mean, anything with John C. McGinley in it, I'm going to give two thumbs up. Even if it sucks, yeah. John C. McGinley is awesome. Especially and that's kind of what intensity. I mean. Like the energy, the energy here—it's entertaining. I, I would say most people will be entertained by it, one way or another. They might kind of find it not working the way maybe it's intended to work, but I think people would get something out of it. What was that John C. McGinley movie? Office? What? I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, Office Space. It? Office Space. He's so good in Office Space. But you know what? I hear John C. McGinley's in a, is awesome in another movie. I'm learning from Bruce Perky with the tie-ins. He's awesome in a movie called TV movie called uh, Intensity. Is, he's pretty intense in that. He's yeah, didn't you just, what did you do with intensity, Eric Holmes? And are you going to get intense pretty soon next week, possibly? Oh, actually, nice. You, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I, so uh, intensity was a hard, uh, hard video to, hard movie to find on video or streaming or anywhere. And uh, there's another movie that I finally came across. I've been looking for it forever and I finally got a copy. And uh should I say what the movie is or yeah, should we say just it. Te- say, it. We'll okay. it. We'll say it and then we'll, we'll say it next week. Yeah. So I've always loved this movie as a kid, something wicked this way comes. And I was like, I haven't seen that since I was a kid and I wanted to watch it again, see if it held up, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. You figured it's a Disney movie. You figure it'd be on Disney plus. I mean, wasn't that's what they sold Disney plus on watch every Disney movie ever made. No, they don't have every Disney movie ever made and they're missing quite a great one uh not the you know show my cards too much but uh i figure we do the same thing with uh same thing we did with intensity uh you know i'll, I'll, I'll give it a full review next week uh but then we'll uh we'll do a giveaway and try to do another chain mail thing like i'll i'll, I'll send intensity out to someone and then they can send it out to someone and you know maybe uh maybe it stops at the first person i give it to them or maybe it'll just kind of you know, work its way around uh, because as far as I know, the only way you can find uh, something wicked this way comes right now is a really, really terrible YouTube video or on physical media. And I, my personal experience, I had a hard fucking time finding this movie and now I got it. And now I want to put it out in the world. Okay. That's very generous of you, Eric Holmes. So listeners, if you, if you want to, he's going to do a review of something wicked this way comes next week. And if obviously, if you would like to throw your hat in the ring, maybe to request that DVD from you, Eric, just email you, email you and you'll do a drawing. Is that how you're going to do it? Maybe just, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Do that? yeah, you don't have to do it. You know, right. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just do the, do, do the email and the, uh, what, uh the, this will be separate from the, uh, entertain art gift yeah. cards. Yeah, uh, so, to... uh, but yeah, just go ahead and email me. And if you already emailed me for the gift cards, don't need to do it again. It's just, we'll, we'll just put it all in the corner. Yeah. Put it all yeah. in the corner, not in the box, because that's Bruce's bit. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, <laughs> that, this is Eric Holmes with Intensity and now with something. I remember something wicked this way comes. Bruce Brookie, have you seen this? You saw this back in the 80s, maybe? You liked it? Yep. I saw well, it with my the- family. I did like it. I remember it being really, uh, really good. 
not too scary, but it had some moments that were pretty good. It had a pretty good bad guy in that movie, if I remember correctly. Okay, very good. So that's something Wicked This Way comes. It's a rare film. Again, do you guys ever get pissed off, especially you, Eric Holmes, because you're a really kind of a lead investigator when it comes to physical media. When you, when you see a movie that's only available on DVD or Blu-ray and you get it and you go to like just watch and you see it's not streaming anywhere uh, or it's not even on digital or on demand, it personally, it pisses me off because I real the the paranoid person in me says the world Big Brother is saying that they, they're offering you thousands of selections, but in reality, there's thousands of other movies that we're just not looking at, right? Yeah. I, I, it doesn't piss me off, but it does kind of worry me a little bit just because, I mean, and, and these aren't movies that, you know, something this wicked this way comes. It's not like, it, at least I didn't think it was that... Uh, obscure I, Bradbury? Yeah, Come on. yeah it, it wasn't that obscure and it's really good so i don't and disney owns it just fucking put it out and if they're not going to put it out let me make copies of it and just send them out to everyone like that that's this i think this is where we kind of need to bring back the idea of public domain like i get yeah. that the creators want to make money off of their creations and they would like their children or you know when they die they'd like to pass that on to their children but I think that there needs to be some sort of change with that because if if Walt Disney created something and he died and then they're you know he gives the rights to their kids, that's one thing. When Walt Disney creates something and then air quote Walt Disney, you know, not the man, but the the company, you know, uh owns it and they just own it forever. And then they can kind of like like people put time in it. There's great performances in this. The, this is a great adaptation of a Ray Bradbury movie, and you just can't find it anywhere. And just and they don't want to do anything. They you know they put it in their Disney Vault, which I you know, which that does piss me off. Put it in the Disney Vault. That's basically saying people made this wonderful piece of art, and we have more money, so we we're able to buy it, and you can't see it. And it's like that's kind of a fucking dick move, if you ask me. Um, yeah, and listen, right. some of the only ways you can get this is to, sorry, Eric, for interrupting. Some of the only ways you can get this is to do exactly what Eric does. You'll purchase a, a used DVD, a DVD from another year. I have, yeah. I have a, I recently did for our, this is not a plug for the cinematic stuff, but for the, for the Patreon, I, I reviewed a movie called The Killers, which was released in, I think in 1964. And it's directed by Don Siegel, the guy who did Dirty Harry, not available for streaming, not available. It's only available in the Criterion DVD that was on released back in 2003. And I think Arrow released a version in 2018, but you can't, it's, there's so many movies that are great that are not available for streaming or for, for a purchase on digital. So listeners, I know you guys are movie buffs. Just there's, you're going to, there's going to become, there's going to be many times when you're going to type in a movie and it's not, it's going to come up empty. That's why we have something wicked this way comes for you next week. If you're interested in Eric's uh, choice, email hamslam at gmail.com to hopefully cop your copy of something wicked this way comes and then pay it forward. I do the same thing, by the way, that Eric Holmes does. I don't know if Bruce Perky does this on, on behind me. There's a whole wall of DVDs of Dollar Tree DVDs, but I've actually, I've actually uh, have a couple of movies that are not available for streaming and on digital that I am keeping for myself. Listeners, you will not get any of these DVDs because I'm a selfish a-hole. I'm not sending it to you postage free because I'm just sending it to myself. I keep everything. I'll never <laughs> open my emails. <laughs> F you listeners. Just listen to Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. They're the nicer people on Find Your Film. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on that monologue? 
That was beautiful, Slithisbosti. I loved it. <laughs> oh, by the way, Bruce Perky also bringing it home to Slithisbosti. By the way, Slithis, is that the word Slithis or Spawn of the Slithis? You can, Eric Combs was showing the Shout Factory Blu-ray or DVD. It is available for mass, consu- mass consumption over at Amazon Prime Video. So, you know, if you do anything, whether it's whether it's going to Jeff Basson's art, artistry website or his Instagram or watching Days of Heaven, doing the Entertain Mart giveaways, maybe checking out talk radio, maybe doing the What's in the Box with Bruce Perky, maybe seeing nobody. I think the, the big takeaway from this episode is please do, don't ever listen to this episode ever. Listen to Find Your Film ever again, okay? Unless the only way you can return back to listen to this episode if you is if you actually, this is a prerequisite, you must be an actual watcher of Spawn of the Slithis. Again, 1978. This is our prerequisite. Only Slithis fans will be welcome to the Find Your Film community. We're making it very niche We're going niche triple. <laughs> Bruce Perky, is that a good strategy or am I wrongheaded? It's... Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful Slithis plan that you have. I love it. Bruce Perky suddenly went Stepford on me. Oh, he's, oh, we forgot. He's shaking. <laughs> he's shaking. He's shaking. He's shaking for the, what's in the box? What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I, Greg, I he's lost all his energy. He's like, eh, what's in the box? <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, it was a hell of a, a gatekeeping flex you did with the, uh... <laughs> thank you sir gatekeeping flex you know folks listeners the truth hurts but remember you're gonna listen because bruce perky and eric holmes are really cool and i am straight up you know it's good by the way it was great meeting jeff jeff bassin this week yeah it was episode and again credit goes to eric holmes because out of, i'll be honest out of us three he's the one who's always liked to you know meet we were trying to meet a director uh recently that didn't work out but then we got to meet jeff and that's great he's always being social i and, am very anti-social yes sir and uh, i haven't heard back from him yet but uh chad wolfong was the other winner so hopefully yes uh, chad if, wolfong. He, if he's down hopefully we'll hear from him pretty soon too Chad mm-hmm. Wolfen, well, I, I, I talk to you on a regular basis. Chad, Chad hit us up, um, and hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Bruce Perky, what's in the box? This is chosen by Joseph Bridges. Joseph Bridges. It's a movie from 1987 called The Collar. The ninth, and, and, and great great uh, special effects. Uh, there's a scream after you said the collar, 1987. <laughs> By the way, Joseph Bridges. Joseph Bridges, that's great. Uh, uh, you know, just very real special effects. You know what? Joseph Bridges, along with people like Matt Stillman, Andrew Martin, they make me feel on a daily basis very insecure because they're on our Cinematics Facebook group and they always come up with great recommendations. If you want to join our Cinematics Facebook group, I'll have all that stuff on our podcast notes. I do weekly giveaways to exclusively for members in our Facebook group. And it's really just a low key kind of group where we just do daily recommendations. Bruce and Eric is, they're very active on the group. I am active as well. Only when I can promote my own things because I'm a selfish, you know what? That's a running theme, tying it into Bruce Perky's thing, but uh, that's it. Before we go, Bruce Perky, you want to close us out? And Eric, you have anything to say before we go? Uh, Watch what, please watch this. So Greg doesn't yell at you for listening to our podcast. (laughs) And then, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to ramp up the stakes. You first, Slithis this week. If you don't watch it, you're, you're out. And then in two weeks, when we do Dogma 95, if you don't follow these specific rules, 
on how to listen to our podcast. You only have to, you have to be actually listening it to, to our podcast via your phone and you have to shake, do handheld shaky versions with, uh, which is for, for Dogma 95. But Eric Holmes, we're going to do Celebration and a couple of other Dogma films we're going to pick. That's going to be really cool. Yep. And then mm-hmm. Bruce, Bur- Bruce Berkey, you're going to close us out. Something very dramatic, something very cool. Slith is the best episode that we've ever done. And that's it. We will see you next week. And we are we're gonna we are going to slither this out out of here. Thank you, Jeff Basson, and we will see you guys next week.